let's pray for them as they uh, they go out with their uh, their teachers. Heavenly Father, we just uh, we pray that you bless this time uh, for the uh, the young ones uh, as they are the the next church. Um, be with them as they learn more about you uh, and who you are, um, and just be with their teachers um, as they uh, they tell them more about you. Uh, we love you and we thank you. Amen. All right. Well. Um, about two weeks ago, uh, Pastor Joe texted me uh, Monday morning, and I always know he's going to ask me something when he, he, he texts and he says, hey, Devo, and like that's, that's all that it is. That was the first time I got that text uh, was when he actually asked me to consider being the, the boys' youth pastor. Um, so I knew there was a, a qualifier coming after the, the hey, Devo, um, and I asked what it was, and he's like, do you want to preach on the 13th? Um, and I said, well, let me, let me pray about it. Let me get back to you. What's the topic? And he said, I'll let you choose this time. And I was like, well, goodness, thanks. You couldn't make it any easier. Um, you know, you could have given me something to talk about. Um, but I prayed, and the Lord just impressed it on my heart that he really wanted me uh, to just bring you uh, a message tonight. And um, uh, we're going to be going, we, we talked about it a little bit, Ruth read it for us uh, in Romans, that's going to be kind of our, our focal passage uh, with just a bunch of other supporting scripture, because um, the best way uh, to interpret scripture is to let scripture interpret scripture, right? We don't have to uh, make it up on our own. The Bible is a very clear um, way to just know what the Lord wants to say to us. So uh, we're going to get started, but again, let's, uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, uh, we just thank you for this time tonight where we can be together as, as your church uh, and hear from you, Father. Just uh, thank you for the prayers uh, of the church and um, the, the help that I received in preparing for this message. But, Father, I just ask that you override those preparations. Uh, speak through me. Let it not be my words that are heard tonight, but your words through me. Um, just open the hearts of your church tonight um, that they can hear from you. Um, and we just uh, we love you. Uh, and we thank you, and it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. All right, so let's see if I know how to work this thing. So this is a series break. Uh, I titled it uh, In, Not Of, because as Christians, we are in the world, but not of the world. Um, so I, I wanted to start tonight off with a question. Uh, this is rhetorical. You don't have to answer it, but I really just want you to think, where are you looking for life? Let me ask it another way. What activities take up most of your time? What, what's saturating your mind? If you ask any parent with a child under the age of five, it's probably songs from the Disney movie Encanto. Uh, I don't know how many times Emma runs into uh, the room just singing uh, songs. And even the other day at work, I had, a, I had a coworker. I was coming off a break. They needed to go on break, and they were... They were asking me to help take over for a customer. And I was like, well, what's their name? And uh, their name was Bruno. Uh, and if you know, we don't talk about Bruno. Um, <laughs> but I had to. Um, and it's just, it's crazy what saturates your mind. So um, tonight we're going to be focusing on uh, being transformed through the word. Uh, we'll talk about being transformed through prayer uh, and then transformed through fellowship. Now, if we go um, and we look at a uh, quote by Paul David Tripp, this actually comes from his uh, book, New Morning Mercies. And if, if you're looking for a devotional, I encourage you to pick that one up. 
Uh, it's one that's really helped me uh, just kind of refocus uh, and realign uh, my life with the Lord. And it says that we all tend to look for life horizontally, uh, when the reality is we will only ever find life vertically. Somehow, some way, we all tend to look to the created world to give us life. So again, where are you looking for life? Uh, he goes on to say in his, uh, in his devotional that we, we tend to get caught up in the if-onlys. Right? If only I could get this promotion. If only I were married. Uh, if only my child would go to bed at a decent time. Right? All of, all of those if-onlys. Um, and he clarifies that afterwards with this. He says, whatever sits on the other side of that if-only is where you're looking for life. Peace, love, hope, peace, joy, hope, and lasting commitment of heart. But where should we really be looking? A lot of those if-onlys are good statements, right? It's not, it's not bad to have a good job. It's not bad to want to be married. But if that's where we're looking for contentment, <clears throat> then that's when we turn and look horizontally instead of vertically. Which brings us to the letter written by Paul to the Romans. And I'm going to focus on the first two verses. <clears throat> and it states, excuse me. <clears throat> Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God, prove that which is will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. So what is Paul saying here? Uh, is it a simple request? You know, like, hey, I think you should try this, right? You should um, live by the mercies of God. You should present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. Is it, is it a suggestion? Like maybe if, if you want to, you could, or does it carry a little more weight? To try and answer this question, I'd, I'd really like to point out the first word we see, and that's therefore. Now, without the word therefore, this could possibly have just been a request uh, that Paul is making in his letter to the Romans. Um, something that he thinks they should do, but why? Now, uh, as most of you know, my dad uh, is a pastor, and, and when I grew up listening to him, he would, he would say, what's the therefore, therefore? So sometimes we can actually go and we can look at what text precedes this immediately. Um, so we have it here, and, and it states that, um, oh, the depth of the riches. Oh, thank you. Man, Edgar, you're the best. <clears throat> oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has, seen, who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Now, I think that... Uh, this is something that Paul is drawing our attention to. He's, he's drawing our attention to the fact that the depths of God's wisdom are something that can't be comprehended by our human minds. 
He is infinite, but we are finite. We can't really ever comprehend the depths of his mind. We've never given God anything enough that he could owe us, right? We owe him everything. So why is Paul um, urging us to offer our bodies, our entire beings, as a living sacrifice to God? So I think that it goes a little bit deeper. And I think that we need to take a look at Paul's entire message to the Romans up until this point. So if we look at chapter 3, verses 23 through 24, it states, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Ruth said it earlier, because of our sin, we deserve hell. But through the grace of God who sent his son, Jesus, as a sacrifice, we are redeemed. Now, when the Lord looks at us, he doesn't see our sin. He sees his son. In Romans 5.8, it says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Here, he's, here we see that while living in sin, completely separated and undeserving of God's grace, he still showed us his love and compassion by giving us a way out. It was through his son, Jesus. In Romans 9, 15, 16, Paul says, For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. It does not, therefore, depend on human desire or effort, but on God's mercy. Now, I know that most of us in this room have prayed to receive Christ, so we can count on the fact that we are one of the ones that God chose to have mercy on. But if you haven't yet prayed to receive Christ as your Lord, know that there is no way that you can earn heaven. It doesn't depend on your desire to be a good person or your effort to do nice things for others. It is only by God's grace, love, and mercy that he sent his son so that we could be redeemed. And that's the case that Paul was building throughout the first, chapters, first 11 chapters of Romans. That's what the therefore is there for. It's not merely a suggestion that we submit our bodies and our lives. It's not merely a suggestion that we don't conform to the world. He's saying because of who God is and by his mercies, we should want to offer our bodies as a living and holy sacrifice. It's not that we need to try harder or be, need to be better. Our joy comes from the fact that we are new creations in Christ Jesus. We are transformed. It's, it's an ongoing transformation. It's something that at the moment we accept the Lord, it starts. But, but we're, we're not just passive stand, uh, standers by. We don't just watch from the sidelines. We have to put in the work. It's not something that uh, we can just sit there and wait, but it's because of his love that we should want to do the work. But, but how? What's next? What comes after the salvation that Christ, through Christ that Paul had been writing about in Romans up until that point. And as we read in Romans 12 too, it's transformation. Or some of you may have heard sanctification. Now our God is sovereign. He doesn't need us to do any work. He is ultimately the agent and the power behind our sanctification. But how does he accomplish it? 
Now, I, like I said earlier, we have three things that I think the Lord is wanting us to hear tonight. And the first one is that we are transformed by the word. Now, as we read in uh, 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correct, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. We weren't saved, like I said, to just sit on the sidelines. We were saved to do the work through God. We don't have to do anything but listen and, and hear what he has to say. We read, uh, we see that the word is, is used all over scripture. Right in Matthew 4, 4, it's written that man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Later in Romans chapter 15, verse 4, Paul writes, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. So if you're looking tonight, if you're searching, if you're wondering where God is, he's in the word. Jesus also prayed in um, John uh, 17, 15, 17. He said, I do not ask you to take them out of the world but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. We don't need to look horizontally. We need to look vertically. And through the word is where we can really get vertical with the Lord. Did you notice, though, that when Jesus is praying for his disciples here, that he doesn't ask the Father to remove them from the world, he asks that they are sanctified in truth, his word. Now, we can't be simpl uh, sanctified simply by removing ourselves from sin. What I mean by that is we can't, if something is, uh, you know, tripping us up, we can't just simply leave and, and go away. Well, that's good to try and remove yourself from that sin uh, if, it's, if it's something that is uh, causing you to fall. Ultimately, sin is changed from the inside out. I mean, I've tried. You heard in my testimony, I moved all the way to Texas to try and get away, but the Lord brought me back. You know, like I, uh, like I said earlier, it can't hurt, but sanctification is something that happens internally. And as we add in more of the Word and His Holy Spirit, um, that's who changes us. That's what changes our what-ifs of the world to start changing into the hope that God has for us. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, it states, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Now, because the scripture is God-breathed, we know that it is 100% truthful. There are no errors. We just need to use it and let it change us from the inside out. We're also transformed through prayer. If you've been at the prayer meeting, uh, Pastor Joe's been talking a lot about um, prayer and, and what it means to our lives as Christians and the tools that it gives us. It's our, it's our conversation. Uh, it's the way that we access God. It's not a way for us to get things from God, though. It's a way for us to be able to be in fellowship with him so that we can be in his presence and conform to his will. 
In 1 Thessalonians 5.17, we all know the verse, pray without ceasing. You know, some of us uh, are, are unsure how to do that, right? We, we, we have a lot going on in our lives. It's not something where we can continually fathom how to be in prayer consistently without ceasing, right? But our, our Lord, our God, He gives us that. He, he helps us to comprehend. He sent us the Helper. <clears throat> we saw that, at our transfer, that our transformation starts at salvation, but also at salvation, we receive the Holy Spirit. In Romans 8, 26, uh, it says, In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. He is our intercessor. He guides us in our prayers. When we, when we don't have the words, the Holy Spirit gives those words to us. When we don't know what to pray, the Lord knows. He knows our heart. Right? We hear that a lot. The Lord knows. But He still wants you to present it to Him. <clears throat> he still wants you to ask for help. Um, we were getting ready to come here uh, to, to church, and, and Emma was just running up to me and just going, Daddy, Daddy, I want you. I need you. We need to be, that, be like that with the Lord. We need to say, we need you. I want you. But me, I was, <clears throat> I, I was prepping. I had a lot going through my mind. And I looked down and I said, not right now. That will never happen with the Lord. <clears throat> he goes on to say about prayer that if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, and I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin, and will heal, heal their land. This is how we're transformed. We have to humble ourselves. We can't think that we're too good for transformation. Here it's, it tells us that the Lord will hear. And as we know, the Bible is inerrant. It is without flaw. So we can trust that if we pray, the Lord hears. He doesn't always answer us the way that we want. He doesn't always give us what we want. But as we heard earlier, it's not about getting from the Lord. It's about being in His presence and continuing to transform our minds. In 1 John 5, 14 and 15, it says that this is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of Him. We have to pray according to His will. It can't be what, about what we want. <clears throat> it has to be about what He wants for us. And as we continue our journey from salvation to eternity, our once start to mirror His wants for us. This is a, a, um, <clears throat> a verse that gave me peace this week. Um, it said, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts 
and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, as I was preparing, I was kind of struggling. I had two points. Um, Pastor Joe says that if he has two points, he can preach for 45 minutes. Um, don't worry. Uh, we're only at about 18 right now. <clears throat> we're going on to, uh, to our third point. But I was really kind of, kind of struggling to find, find that third point. You know, and I just sat down and I prayed. And really what he impressed upon on my heart is that we are transformed through fellowship. We were not made to do this alone, right? We know we have the Holy Spirit as our helper, but we were meant to be in community as a church. Um, things happen when we work together as a church. I don't know if you know this, but if you've walked that way or out those doors, I mean, a transformation has physically happened to our church because of the community that we have here at FICF. People have sacrificed their time, um, their energy, uh, just being here, painting, building, cooking, you know, being of, of service in any way that they could. And it's because of the fact that we know that we are called to be in fellowship with one another. We are called to do life together as a church. It's encouraged by the Bible. We see here, in Hebrews 10, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. I don't know about you, but what's going on in the world, I feel like that day could be approaching a lot sooner than later. And where would you want to be? Wouldn't you want to be with the ones that you love? Wouldn't you want to be with the ones who help lift you up, who help calm you? And yes, we have Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit, but we are strengthened together. I mean, the church in Acts had the right idea. We see here that all those who believed were together. I mean, they were selling their possessions. Which one of us would immediately sell our house um, and then give it to the church. It's because of the transformation that they had through Christ that they were doing all this. You know, they were, they were giving the proceeds to the needy. They ate together in each other's homes, and the Lord added to their number day by day. I think that's, that's the, the issue that we're facing, not in FICF, but in the greater church as a whole. We've really lost sight of the fact in America especially, that we are called to be together. I think believers leave um, for one reason or another. Nobody wants to reach out. That's not my, my job. That's the pastor's job. You know, somebody else will do it. But here, we see that their number was being increased because they were doing life together. It wasn't decreasing. It was something that the Lord started adding to their number and I think it's because of the way that they all felt when they were in fellowship together. They were with like-minded people. It was easier to confess and overcome a sin if you have a believer nearby. Right? We are called to do that. We are called to confess our sins, not only to Jesus, but to one another. And um, I want to bring it back to Romans 12, verses 4 and 5. And it says that, 
just as each of us has one body with many members. Sorry, let me get, uh, let me get here. These members do not all have the same function. So in Christ we, though many, perform one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We've each been given unique spiritual gifts. And it's because we have been transformed through the word. I really don't think we truly understand the spiritual gifts that we have until we go through that transformation, until we start going through that sanctification. You know, before, before being saved, uh, and I got saved as a, as a young boy, but, you know, before really, I think, truly surrendering my life to Christ, <clears throat> I didn't know that uh, the gift of music was something that I would be using uh, on a Sunday. You know, I just thought it was an elective at school, uh, a way to, to get scholarship money for college. You know, I really never dreamed that uh, the Lord would be using uh, the gift that he gave me uh, for, for singing. Um, you know, you probably don't want to hear me play the trumpet anymore, but uh, it's something that helped me get and helped me understand uh, what the Lord was trying to say to me. Now, um, I think I have to tell the obligatory uh, joke. Uh, and Jamie told me that I couldn't use uh, bong. <clears throat> so it's going to be his brother. We'll call him, uh, I don't know. What? Bong bong? No, <clears throat> no. Uh, it'll be, uh, how about, we'll, we'll just call him Oliver. So... So I don't know. So uh, Oliver is, uh, is, is a pastor. Uh, he actually loves to play golf. And one Sunday morning, he, he wakes up. It's probably a, a Sunday like this. You know, a little bit of clouds in the sky, not too hot, not too cold. Um, just right, actually, for getting out and playing 18 holes. But it's Sunday. He has to preach. Now, he, he really kind of contemplates uh, what he needs to do. But he, uh, in the end, he gives in, and he calls in. He's not really sick, but uh, he wants to go play some golf. And so <clears throat> he gets out there, he gets to the first tee, and the angels are sitting there with, uh, with God and just saying, hey, you better do something. He's not supposed to be doing this. You better punish him. He better not enjoy this round of golf. And uh, the Lord goes, okay. And uh, he, he puts his tee down. He puts the ball on top. Par five, hits it, hole in one. And the angel's like, I, th I thought you were going to punish him. And God goes, well, think about it. Who can he tell? Because if you've played golf, you would know that a hole in one is something you want to brag about. Something that you would want to be able to tell, maybe to your congregation, to a friend at least. But he can't. He can't tell anyone. But we should want to tell others about our amazing God. Now, I just want to really encourage you guys about being transformed. It's not that we need to try harder uh, or to be better. <clears throat> like I said, our God is the one that sanctifies us through faith. It's not something that we can really do on our own, but reading the word, praying, and fellowshipping are just some of the ways that we can get there. You know, I think worship uh, is, is another huge part of that. You know, it's something that prepares our hearts. 
So again, where are you looking for life? What kind of music do you listen to if you're not at church? What happens when you step out these doors? Do you immediately go back and start looking horizontally? Or do you look vertically? You know, our hope and inspiration comes from the fact that we are new creations in Christ Jesus. We are already better in God's eyes. He doesn't see our sin when he looks at us. He sees his son, Jesus. Picture a photographer developing photos the, the old school way. Right? Not you know, dropping the film in the bucket at uh, one hour photo, not printing them yourself from your, your new fancy uh, printer, um, but you know, going into the dark room. If you make a print of a photo in the dark room, what you have to do is you have to shine light <clears throat> through a photo negative onto a blank piece of uh, photographic paper. Then you take it and you put it under a safe light and even though you can't see it, you know that there's an image there. That's sort of like what it is for us as Christians. We are that photo negative that the light is shining through onto that blank piece of paper. And even though it may take time, even though it might not be immediate, sanctification is an ongoing process. But when we are exposed to Christ, when we accept him as our Lord and Savior, the image of Christ has been burned into us. The Holy Spirit then develops that into a picture of Jesus in us through the process of sanctification. Again, it's not that we need to try harder or to be better. It's that we are new creations in Christ Jesus. And as we wrap up tonight, I just really want to challenge you guys to live vertically, not horizontally. For we are called to be in the world, but not of the world. Let's take that calling serious, seriously, right? Because the day is fast approaching, as we read. We don't know what tomorrow brings. We aren't guaranteed tomorrow. If there's somebody that you love that hasn't heard the word of the Lord, Pick up the phone, drive to their house tonight after church. Tell them about your transformation. Tell them who is transforming you because we, we don't know. I mean, tonight might be their last night. Tonight might be your last night. We're never guaranteed tomorrow. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for tonight. Um, we thank you for your son, Jesus, and uh, we thank you for the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the transforming work that you do in our lives the minute that we realize that our sin is too much to overcome on our own. We thank you for giving us the Holy Spirit to guide us and to lead us. We thank you for giving us your word so that we can hear from you even though you are no longer on this earth. We thank you for giving us the power of prayer that helps us be in your presence, not to get things from you, but to be transformed by having a conversation with you. Father, we thank you for the fellowship that we get to have with fellow believers in your church. I just pray that if there's anybody here um, that needs to give their lives to you, that tonight is that night. 
because tomorrow is never guaranteed. We thank you for um, the believers who are here tonight and we pray for those who aren't. Father, we know that this world over the past two years and, and even now is, is something that uh, can, can be scary to venture out into. It's just easier and, and safer to stay in the confines of our own home, but you called us to be in fellowship with one another. Tonight, we just ask that you bless our time of fellowship. Um, use the fellowship to, uh, to draw us closer to you and continually transform us through your son and through your word. We love you. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.